going to be really cool is that right after this service is over, we're going to have a baptism for Lisa. And so if you need to head out, you're welcome to do that if you want to hang for just a couple of minutes. It's going to happen right after the service is over. Let's pray together. Father, it's quite the honor to be here, to be called into your presence. And now we pray, Lord, that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Christ we pray, amen. So bottom line, guys, sometimes Jesus said things that if, if he really meant them, we're messed up, we're host. I'm serious. I mean, sometimes Jesus said things that were just flat out over the top. And if they're true, the way that he put it, it would seem like we're host. And I'm going to talk about one of those things today. Fortunately, Jesus also did something which gives us a shot. What Jesus says is right. You're going to know what he says is right. And you're also going to recognize that without grace, you don't have a shot. But what he says is something that's going to make our life better. And it'll make us better at life. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, if you can wrap your minds around what Jesus says here, if you can try to live it out, it will make your life better. Even if you're not a Jesus follower, it's still going to work for you. If you are a Jesus follower, you need to lean in really hard and listen really seriously. But first of all, let me kind of set the table. A couple of weeks ago, a member of our church family, they have a kid that's just a little tyke kid got annoyed at something he was doing and he mutters kind of quietly shoot only he didn't say shoot when his dad was told what the kid had said dad says hmm I wonder which one of us he got that from kids hear everything don't they and they repeat what we say with no filters even our careless words even our worthless words a few years back, one of our teachers at our vacation Bible school was asking our little guys to act out the story of Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus is the little guy who climbed up into a tree so we could see Jesus. So the teacher says to this kid, you play Jesus. Kid says to the teacher, well, what do I say? Teacher says, well, what would your mom say to you if you were up in that tree? Kid looks at Zacchaeus and he says, get the heck out of that tree. Only he didn't say heck. Right there in VBS, because kids hear everything, don't they? They remember and they learn, which is why to some of our parents, it's kind of terrifying for them to drop off their kids at our Sunday school or at school, because you never know what's going to come out of their mouth. Sometimes they'll just make up outrageous things, and sometimes they tell the truth, and that's even scarier sometimes. They just, they just say what they've heard you say, even our worthless words, our careless words, because we're full of them. It's always kind of amusing to me to watch people when they learn that I'm a, I'm a preacher, I'm a holy man, I'm a man of God, I'm a reverend. That's humor, guys. Sometimes after they hear that, they start stumbling over themselves, making apologies for all the words that they have used in my presence. Apparently, the words are fine as long as no holy man is listening, right? Of course, I've been around some guys who don't care I'm a preacher. They just keep on as crude as ever. Graceless words, thoughtless words, worthless words. By the way, what Jesus says convicts me too. 
I do try to be a man of God, a reverend, most of the time, at least when you guys are watching. 24-7 is hard. Daily is hard. It's pretty easy to do life with God, for God, God's way, a few hours a week. But 24-7, if Jesus actually means what he says, I'm host. Or I would be if it were not for the work that he did to unhose me. So, let's look and see what Jesus said. He said, whatever's in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And then he says this, I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. Seriously? Every idle word you speak? And then he says, the words that you will say will either acquit you or condemn you. Bottom line, doing life with God, for God, God's way wouldn't be so hard if it were not for the daily part. I mean, that's a verse we've been unpacking actually for the last several months. If any of you wants to be my follower, Jesus says, you must give up your own self, give up your own way. You must take up your own cross daily and follow me daily. It's that little word that makes it so hard. It's not so hard to look good or even be good for a few hours a week. I mean, we try to be in our best behavior when we're in this room, right? I hope. It may even be doable to do life with God, for God, God's way most of the time. 90% of the time, 95% of the time, 99% of the time. But how would that work in a marriage? Can you imagine the vows? Will you love her 90% of the time? Will you comfort him, honor, and keep him in sickness and in health 95% of the time? Will you be faithful to him? Will you be faithful to her 99% of the time? That work in a marriage ceremony? Doesn't work with God either. But it's that daily part that brings the stresses, the pressures, and even the tedium that lead to our careless words, our graceless words, our worthless words. We've all got them. We all slip up, don't we? How many of you could use a do-over just for last week? Any of you guys say anything stupid, anything graceless last week? If you were to evaluate you by what you said in your unguarded moments last week, what conclusion would you draw about you? Who are you when no one is looking? Who are you when you're tired or you're stressed or you're mad or you're scared or you're high? Who are you when you're online and no one's watching? Who are you when you're anonymous? My wife Julie's a little nervous about Alexa. We've got these smart speakers in our home and they're always listening and Julie's a little concerned about privacy and so she's kind of nervous that someone's listening to us all of the time. So one time I started whispering to Julie and she's like, why are you whispering? And I said, well, just in case Mark Zuckerberg or one of his minions is listening to us. And then I laughed and Julie kind of laughed and then Alexa laughed. <laughs> That's a joke, by the way. Do you know that sometimes, sometimes the things that we do and say in our unguarded moments in our privacy 
or worse in our unguarded moments, they can be lethal. You've heard the little phrase, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. You know the technical word for that? It's poppycock. I'm usually pretty careful, but I can remember times when I have said words that were devastatingly damaging. I'd love some do-overs, wouldn't you? And Jesus says you're going to have to give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak. And the words that you speak are either going to acquit you or condemn you, which means without grace, I'm hosed. I suspect you are too. So we need to go unpack a little bit what Jesus said. And here's the context. They bring this blind and mute guy to Jesus who's also possessed by a demon. He's pitiful. Jesus fixes his eyes, he mends his tongue, and he kicks the demons out, which God can do. Some of the religious leaders are flat out suspicious of Jesus anyway because he's violating so many of their rules. And they're like, this Jesus obviously has power, but maybe his power is not the power of God. Maybe his power is from Satan. Maybe he's a devil. Jesus goes after these guys. He says, you're being stupid. That's a Patterson paraphrase, by the way. Worse than that, he says, you're, you're just irrational. And what you're saying is revealing. Because listen, guys, if you call the work of God the work of Satan, you're host. You see, rejecting the work of God is the one unforgivable sin. How can you expect to be good with God when you diss what he is doing to save you? Anyway, their words, the words of these Jewish leaders who hate Jesus, Jesus says their words are windows into their heart, and their hearts are messed up. So Jesus starts teaching about the connection between our our words and our hearts, and he says this. He says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. He says, you can tell a whole lot about a tree. You can tell a whole lot about a man by his fruit. And then he turns to these religious leaders and he says, you guys are a brood of snakes. How could evil men like you speak what is right? Because whatever is in your heart is going to come out in what you say and what's in your heart is messed up. Your hearts are broken and your words are a window into that brokenness. You see, it'd be fine for our words to be windows into our heart as long as we get to choose which words you use to evaluate our hearts. We don't. Jesus says a good person produces good things from this treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from this treasury of an evil heart. Treasury of a good heart, a treasury of an evil heart. In other words, there's a lot of stuff down in your heart, a lot of stuff. It's either good or it's junk, right? And eventually whatever's in there is going to come out, especially in your unguarded moments. And you know that to be true. So what's in your heart? A lot of good stuff, a lot of junk. What are you putting in your heart? A lot of good stuff for a lot of junk. We're going to get back to that because this is huge. And then Jesus gets to the scary part. In one way, I kind of wish he hadn't said this. But even if he hadn't said it, it would still be true. Sometimes truth is just hard, right? Jesus says, I tell you this, You're going to give an account on Judgment Day for every idle word you speak, which means there is going to be a Judgment Day. It means on that Judgment Day, every single one of us is going to stand before God, 
And it means that our eternity is going to be at stake. And it also means that what we do now affects what's going to happen on that judgment day, right? All of that's built into this text. And he says we're going to give an account for every idle word. Now, this is recorded for us in Greek, and in Greek, the word is argon. And if you look up argon in a Greek dictionary, it gives you a lot of different definitions. Kind of hard to figure out exactly what it means here. It can mean, it often means just idle. Every idle word, every lazy word you speak. It can mean useless, unproductive. We're going to give an account for every useless word we speak. NIV translates it empty. We're going to be held accountable for every empty word we speak. Some translations use careless or thoughtless words that we speak. And then Jesus says, the words that you say are either going to acquit you or condemn you. Not because we are saved by anything we do, but because our words are windows into our hearts. They reveal our heart and they remind us that without grace... Host. So, this is big stuff, isn't it? What's he talking about? Specifically, what kind of idle words, careless words, worthless words is Jesus talking about? I suspect the first thing that will come to a lot of our minds is just profanity. And I suspect they count. We use words that are obscene and vile and blasphemous. Words that convey utter disrespect. I think they count as lazy, worthless, thoughtless words, don't you? And we toss profanities around like candy sometimes. And here's the deal. The more we put in, the more we surround ourselves with profanity, the more that come out. We keep stuffing these profanities down into this treasury of our heart and they leak out in our unguarded moments. Other people, they think of words that are cruel. Words that we say that are meant to hurt or wound or kill. And they count too, right? What a lie. You must give an account on judgment day for every lie you tell. Or exaggerations. When you spin the truth to make you look better than you are or spin the truth to make someone else look worse than they really are. Or maybe our unfounded accusations. That's a sport today. We love to assume and accuse before we know all the facts. You can see it happening every day in the news. You're going to give an account on Judgment Day for every unfounded accusation that you've made. He says, we've got a standard unfounded accusation at our house. Right? We say, Aubrey did it. Now, Aubrey is my four-year-old grandkid, and she doesn't even live in our house, but if there's a problem in our house, Aubrey did it. If I lose my coat, Aubrey did it. If I lose my keys, Aubrey did it. If something is broken, Aubrey did it, right? She's four. Now, she also hears everything and repeats everything and believes a lot, and so we're going to have to stop using that because one of us is going to slip and sit in front of her. Idle words. Careless words, worthless words. How about, you ever say words without grace? You ever say words without love, backing them up? I know sometimes speaking the truth is hard, and I think there are hard truths that need to be spoken. But listen, guys, if there's not love in you, if there's not grace in you, shut up. You're not the one to speak God's truth. 
Some of you are like, well, I'm just being honest. I'm just saying what I think. I don't really care what you think. Shut up. If you're not speaking out of love, if you're not speaking out of grace, you don't have to say it. Just because you think it doesn't mean you have to say it. Just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. He says we're going to give an account for every worthless, useless word we speak. So guard your tongue. How about our careless words, our thoughtless words? Have you ever said anything before you thought? You engaged your tongue before you engaged your brain. Happens a lot, doesn't it? And you're kind of like, holy cow, why did I just say that? Holy cow, I just hurt somebody that I care about. I mean, I have vivid memories of words that I should not have said decades later. They stick. I did it a lot when I was a kid. My brother was bigger and stronger than I was, and he was a much better fighter, and I had a quicker tongue. So I'd go after him with words, and he'd come back after me with fists. Sometimes it's not smart to be smart. What's fascinating to me is that as a Bible scholar, the word in Greek is argon, which usually means idle, lazy, lazy words, useless words, worthless words. And you listen, and sometimes people just jabber and jabber with so many worthless words. See, we've got this notion that if we think it, we should say it. It's a bad notion. Apostle Paul had a pretty sharp tongue. I think he was basically saying the same thing when he said this. He says, don't use harmful words, just helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed so that what you say will do good to those who hear you. Jesus' words are stronger. He says, you're going to give an account on Judgment Day for every worthless word that you speak, which means that without grace, I'm host. How about you? Wouldn't you love some do-overs? I would. How about a start over? God's really good at that. So we know this stuff is true, guys. We know we're careless with our words. We know our words hurt people. We know that they dishonor our God. Why do we do it? We know these idle words, worthless words, thoughtless words just keep on coming out, dishonoring the God that we, we serve and hurting the people that we say we love. We know that someday we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of the words that we use. And we know that without grace that we're a host. But even though there's going to be grace, he still wants us to clean up our life, right? You don't blow what Jesus wants off because we figure he's going to forgive us anyway. That's not what it means to be a Jesus follower. So why do we keep spewing this stuff? Let me suggest two reasons. Here's reason number one. All of us, I think, are spiritually schizophrenic. Apostle Paul, who was a fierce Jesus follower, he put it like this. He says, I, I want to do what's good and I don't. I don't want to do what's wrong, but I do it anyway. You ever done that? He said, it's the sin that's living inside of me. And sin is living inside every one of us. Listen, guys, I have been graced by God through Christ, but there is still a whole lot of work that he has to do inside of me to shape me to be the man that he meant me to be. God's not finished with me yet. How about you? 
Randy, my preaching partner, put it like this. He says, what we say or what we do in our unguarded moments reveal the unconverted parts of our hearts. And we've still got them in there. I'm in Christ, which means I'm a righteous man in his eyes, but I've got a long ways to being righteous like him. Fortunately, we have an amazing God. See, reason number one for our idle words, our careless words, is the sin inside of us. We've got a lot of us in us. But reason number two is this, guys. A lot of things cause us to lower our guards, to lower our filters. There are things that nudge us towards these worthless words. One of them is named Satan. He uses temptation. Satan is really good at figuring out what your weaknesses are and exploiting them to get you to say something you shouldn't to do something you shouldn't. He's going to prompt you to dishonor God. Sometimes it's just exhaustion, or stress, or pain. You're tired and you say things you shouldn't, right? You're stressed and your words become cutting and mean. You're hurting and so you say things that you normally wouldn't. But listen, guys, Jesus didn't give us any exception clauses. This is not what he said. He didn't say you're going to give an account on Judgment Day for every worthless word you speak, unless, of course, you were tired or you were stressed or you were hurt. Sometimes it's anger or hurt. You get angry and you say things you shouldn't. You you get hurt by somebody and you try to hurt them back. And sometimes, I hope, you wish you had a do-over. Which is why the Apostle Paul said one time, go ahead and be angry, but don't let your anger lead you to sin. Because it does. And sometimes these words come out just because we're brain dead. We're thoughtless. We don't think. We're self-absorbed. I'm thinking about me, perhaps, but I'm not thinking about what I'm doing or saying, how it's going to impact you. I'm not trying to hurt you. I just wasn't thinking about what I said and how it might hurt you. How about engaging the brain before engaging the tongue? What a difference that would make. Reading one really, really smart guy who said that every one of us has three tanks, three tanks inside of us. You've got a physical tank, an emotional tank, and a spiritual tank. And if any of these tanks get empty, we're prone to say and do stupid things. You get tired, really, really tired, you're prone to say and do stupid things. If you get emotionally exhausted, you're prone to say and do stupid things. If you're spiritually empty, if you're spiritually empty and a lot of people live here, then you're prone to say and do stupid things. So it says you've got to monitor the gauges. And if they start nearing empty, you've got to fill them back up. If you're tired, get some rest. If you're stressed, ease up. If you're spiritually empty, pursue God, guys. So what now? Kind of heading down toward the end, and Jesus says, whatever's in your heart determines what you say. A good person is going to produce good things out of a good heart. Evil person is going to produce evil things out of an evil heart. And he says, I tell you, on judgment day, you're going to be giving an account of every idle word that you speak. Those words are either going to acquit you or condemn you. Tough verses, aren't they? So what now? What do you do? Just learn how to bite your tongue? Maybe go through life with a piece of duct tape over your mouth? How many of you guys see duct or tape face? 
Uh, if you've watched any of that kind of stuff, he's really, really funny. If you haven't seen him, look up Tape Face on the internet and watch some of his humor. It's pretty funny. But it doesn't work. It might fix the mouth, it might keep you silent, but it doesn't fix the heart. And Jesus is more concerned with the heart than he is with the mouth, right? Which is why Solomon, King Solomon, who was one time reputed to be the wisest man in the world, he says, above all else, above everything else, guard your heart. Before you do anything else, guard your heart, because everything you do flows from your heart. So let me give you really quickly four suggestions on how to guard your heart. Mind your tongue. Number one, big Bible word, not one we use a lot, maybe, repentance. Repentance, what in the world does that mean? It doesn't just mean feel sorry when you mess up. It doesn't even really mean turn around and do something else. Literally, in the Greek, it means changing your mind, beginning to agree with God, beginning to see things through His eyes. You agree with God. I don't want to be so vile. Dishonors my God. I don't want to be so mean. Disrespects His children. I don't want to be so self-centered that I become thoughtless and say all of these things. I don't want to settle for a life that is God-dishonoring. It starts with a change of mind. Do you agree with God about your words? If you really agree with God, it'll start leading to a change of behavior. And if you start changing your behavior enough, it'll change who you are. Number two, we used to use an acronym, GIGO or GIGO, I don't know how you pronounce it, garbage in, garbage out. I, I like this variation, rubbish in, rubbish out, re-row. I think that's pretty cool. Jesus says a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And so he's telling us that there's kind of like this storehouse down in our hearts. And we're pouring stuff into that storehouse. What are you pouring in? What are you filling your heart with? Because if you keep filling your heart with stuff that is blasphemous, worthless, and thoughtless, that's what is going to come out. So how are you filling your heart? What are you watching on TV? What kind of music are you listening to? What kind of people are you surrounding yourself with? What are you reading? What websites do you stop at? What are you filling your heart with? This is serious stuff, guys. The Apostle Paul put it like this. He says, fill your minds... Same thing, fill your hearts, <coughs> excuse me, with things that are good, that deserve praise, things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, and honorable. You think that would actually make a difference? And I know that's kind of hard sometimes because our world is full of just the opposite. But doing this, even though it would take some work, would make a difference in who we are. Number one, repentance. Number two, guard what goes in. Number three, engage the brain before engaging the tongue. How about that? Think before you speak. Pause just for a moment. Take a deep breath. Count to ten, whatever it takes for you. My partner, preaching partner, Randy, was a great basketball coach. He really was. And sometimes you would put on these basketball camps and you'd get the kids together and he says, I'm going to give you one rule and if you can master this one rule, you'll do fine in this camp. Here's the rule. Ask yourself, is this stupid? 
Before you say something, ask yourself, is this stupid? Before you do something, ask yourself, is this stupid? If it's stupid, don't do it. If it's stupid, don't say it. Hesitate for just that moment. Be honest. If it's stu stupid, stop it. Works. Can you imagine what a difference that would make? And here's the fourth. This one's big. Got to lean into God, guys. You are not strong enough, you're not smart enough, you're not good enough to fix your heart. None of us is. He is. And God will do three things for you. Number one, he plants his spirit inside of us to cultivate what we call self-control. Did you know self-control is a gift of God's Holy Spirit? If you look at the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, in Ephesians it talks about self-control. If you're a Jesus follower, God has planted his Holy Spirit inside of you, and he's trying to cultivate self-control. If you have no self-control and you're a Jesus follower, it's because you're fighting the Holy Spirit who's inside of you. He'll make progress with that if you let him. And more than that, the Holy Spirit inside of you starts purifying your heart. He purifies your heart if you let him. Because God is not going to force himself on you. If you cooperate, if you let him, he'll start rooting out those things that dishonor him and his kids. You can't purify your heart. God can if you cooperate. And more than that, his spirit inside of us just keeps pouring out this amazing grace. If you are in Christ, you are covered by the grace of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? It's God's truth. And if you do believe it, thank him all of the time. This stuff takes a lifetime. This is hard. This isn't something you're going to master in a day, a week, a month, a year. It's going to take a lifetime. I've got an old friend, he's dead now, his name was Dick Dameron. He's a remarkable man. Dick was the kind of man that I want to be when I grow up. Randy told me that he was with Dick one time when Dick hurt himself, hit his thumb with a hammer or something like that. And here's what came out of Dick's mouth. Dick said, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. How cool is that? It's one that I've really never tried. It's always true. Randy asked Dick, he says, how long did it take you to learn to say that? And Dick just kind of smiled and said, a lifetime. It's a good answer. Are you making progress? Do you care? This is important stuff, guys. Whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. An evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. And I tell you this, you're going to give an account on judgment day for every idle, worthless, careless word you speak. And those words are either going to condemn you or acquit you. Right? We're not going to get it perfect in this life. But even so, don't lower the bar. Don't lower the bar. Ever hear of a guy named Vince Lombardi? Legendary coach, pretty smart guy. Lombardi said, perfection is not attainable. But if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. We're going to mess up, guys. But don't lower the bar. Because doing life God's way is going to make your life better. It's going to make you better at life. 
And it's going to remind you at the end that this whole thing is all about grace. You're not going to get in because you earn it. You're going to get in because you bend your knees to Jesus. Have you done that? Jesus, the Lord of your life? We give people an opportunity to do that every single week, right? You can feel the Holy Spirit of God nudging on you if you've never made him the master of your life. Let's get started today. Let's get it done. I'm going to hang right down here. Elders are close, and they'll be glad to talk to you. And if you want to talk about making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, let's get that started. Let's get it done. It may be that you are a Jesus follower, but this is one of those areas in your life that just you haven't given him much control over. This is a time to give God your apologies and ask him to start coming in and remaking who you are right here, right here, right? I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing a song. And during that time, if you want to come down and and chat with one of us or go to the back to the prayer room where one of our elders is praying for you right now, be sure to do that. So bow your heads with me, please. Father, we're so grateful that that you're full of grace because we need it. But don't let us settle, God, for a life that doesn't reflect who you are and what you want for us because it's settling It's giving up way too much. Help us to be determined to be Jesus' followers. We love you dearly. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.